Welcome to the Abstract Doctors Podcast. Today, Dr. G and Dr. C speak with MD and physical medicine and rehabilitation specialist, Charles Levy. For more information on Charles, please visit arts.gov backslash initiatives backslash creative dash forces. Visit the Abstract Doctors for information and upcoming podcasts. The Abstract Doctors Podcast. The doctors are in. Open up your mind and say ah. Hey, Dave. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Abstract Doctors Podcast. Dave, we both have an old friend. Um, uh, We have Professor Chuck here with us today. Uh, Professor Chuck was my attending physician at The Ohio State University uh, during my residency. Uh, he, I think he'd only been out a couple years out of uh, training at prestigious uh, program in Chicago. Um, I haven't talked to him in 20 some years, really. Um, and uh, of course, you guys, I'm sure, go back. And, uh, you know, this podcast is about brain health. It's about creativity. Um, It's about technology. It's about getting people healthy and creative and safe. And all three of us love science and creativity and helping people. So I thought Chuck would be a great guest. Take it away. No, I'm actually, it would be great actually if Charles or Dr. (laughs) Levy could kind of give us a little bit of his background, also what his current position is, because I, I imagine he's still at the same position that I've known him at in, in the VA system for forever. And I, Charles, I think, didn't we start together by co-writing one of the uh, AAPMNRs um, study study guides? I think that's where we first interacted 20 plus years ago, if I, if I recall that. I think our VA partnership and relationship is, was somewhat later, but but. Uh, uh, regardless, Charles, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and where you're at now so that we can update everyone, because I'm sure something new has gone on in his world. So um, it was my honor to be in attending at the Ohio State University College right. of Medicine. Um, I go so far back at Ohio State that I remember when the the came in. It was just I an A. It was, it was just, just, an a just Ohio State. Right. But then right. it was the Ohio State, which cleared things up for me a lot. Um, so, uh, about this time about, well, officially it was September of last year. I finished, uh, about 21 years of being chief of rehab medicine for the North Florida, South Georgia VA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Dave, you and I had some connection through the, uh, Cinder center of innovation on disability and rehabilitation yep. uh, research where you were an advisor and I was right. uh, the medical advisor. Um, and then part of the work that I did uh, at the VA was to start uh, creating a telehealth system to serve veterans, uh, rural veterans with different therapies, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, uh, ultimately, uh, speech therapy and creative, uh, I'm sorry, uh, supported employment uh, services. All of, And all of this was done before COVID. And then we added creative arts therapy, which uh, 
the primary positions we used were um, music therapy, art therapy, and we had a little presence of dance movement therapy as well. And, and all of that was was virtual, Charles? Uh, yes. Wow. Uh, we made it our policy to initially do the initial vows in person so people had uh -huh. <clears throat> the face-to-face -face connection, but then offered the service through telehealth. Um, uh, the work was funded by the VA's Office of Rural Health, and um, uh, we honored veterans' preferences. So if a veteran wanted right. to come in to get the service, they could, but we encouraged uh, home telehealth. And that was one of the, one of the VA's great genius moves was yeah. to yep. create a network where we could connect to our veterans, not just through telehealth from clinic to clinic, but from clinic to home. So anyway, we were doing that with uh, creative arts therapists. Uh, I think we started in 2014. In the meantime, the National Endowment for the Arts uh, got in, interested in providing creative arts therapy. Uh, uh, again, I think initially through um, uh, NICO, National Intrepid Center of Excellence at Walter Reed. And they, they themselves had a four-week program to serve uh, right. combat veterans with TBI and PTSD and the creative arts therapy was a real successful program there. So they wanted to, they were puzzling through what to do with uh, uh, active duty military who wanted to, or they thought it was appropriate to continue with arts right. uh, therapy after they were discharged so, from the program. So they got interested in telehealth and somehow they found us and we were able to um, apply for a grant. And then the NEA supplied uh, a therapist to us at, the, at our VA in Gainesville. So we had VA creative arts therapists and National Endowment for the Arts creative arts therapists wow. uh, seeing veterans. And nice collaboration, very impressive. And that yeah. ult ultimately, uh, turned into post-retirement. I've now worked for the National Endowment for the Arts. Uh, That's why you're growing the hair. Okay, now I'm getting it. Man. You and Ron Johnson together. All right. That's cool. No, I'm totally digging it, man. Wow. That's, that's, that's an amazing story, Charles. I wasn't aware of the, the end of it. Did, did you see that recent article that came out on the NICO's programming, which you're talking about? And, and the, the, the big successes they had with the integrative, I guess, approach that they were talking about. I didn't see the article, but I'm not surprised at yeah. all. Well, no, and, and I, I, you know, to, to kind of give the audience maybe a flavor of the next step, which you're talking about in terms of their virtual uh, um, um, broadcasting of, this, of these creative things. Can you tell us a little bit of, give us some examples of how you do that? Because, uh, you know, I think doing it in person is nice and is amazing and NICO did a great job. But I think what you're talking about is really the next level. I'd love to hear about it. So um, perhaps uh, perhaps like you, uh, sometimes I'm hit with inspiration and leave the details to others. Um, <laughs> I'll let you own that or not. Uh, yeah. So I, I had the idea. Uh, I knew that you could teach music virtually. I already figured that out. And so I just figured that if I got the platform and the cash to support people, I would tell them 
I have confidence that you can do art therapy and music therapy at a distance. Um, now go do it. And the therapist pretty much believed me or believed me enough to figure it out themselves. So there's some interesting challenges. If you're an art therapist and you're seeing someone in person, you might be working on a painting together or you might interact with the medium at the same. Yeah. Uh, but what it turns out that the therapists are able to innovate and create, uh, one can draw and show what he or she is drawn on a screen and the other can comment on it. Um, there should be ways to share the, the medium. Yep. But that's not how we're doing it. Uh, as, and the same thing with music. Um, uh, if you were in person, you might be doing the singing, the drumming together. The synchronicity isn't, uh, perfect. Yeah. Most systems at a different distance. So one takes turns and one simply, uh, innovates and, um, with good, with good confidence and, and creativity, yeah. uh, you make it work and it's worked well. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's impressive though. And, and I, I, I'm sad that I wasn't aware of all that. Uh, a kind of innovation because I, I I would have reached out to you earlier about this, but I'm glad we were brought together on this. You're this welcome, is, Dave. Yeah, thank you. No, I, this is I feel embarrassed. I feel embarrassed. I mean, I've, but, I, you but, know, I, I've been to Gainesville a couple of times to to do some site visits and do other things. But I and I and I've didn't you guys also have those vans that were driving around that you were taking to some of the rural areas that were part of your like light research? It was called or something like that, Charles. Well, we did do some, I'm not sure about that. We did get some funding to do driving simulation. We put a driving simulator in a van okay. and we could drive the simulator to different sites and do. It's kind of, it's kind of a, a metaphysical thing. You're driving. I know. Driving I know. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I want to tell you one more thing about Go this because I think it's important. Um, our practice that we did these therapies at a distance in Gainesville was under a program or is under a program called the Rural Veterans Tele-Rehabilitation Initiative. And that program got picked up as an enterprise-wide initiative um, from the Office of Rural Health, which allowed us to mentor other centers uh, to do those practices. And we could pay for therapists at other centers to uh, uh, both do the different uh, physical, occupational, et cetera, those therapies, but also the creative arts therapies. So we've uh, now have uh, set up a creative arts therapist in Dallas. Uh, we've sure. got, uh, we're mentoring, uh, we, we set up therapists at Jacksonville, uh, Indianapolis, uh, Cleveland, Youngstown. So we did that with VA money, VA paid for therapists. And then the NEA got, is a partner with us and they uh, have added another therapist at uh, Jacksonville, uh, Indianapolis and huh? Cleveland. And, so, and are, are they all linked together and kind of are doing some collaborative sharing and blah, 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 or is it just you see them and they kind of do their thing? So the NEA program, just to repeat myself, is called Creative Forces. And there's uh, about a dozen DOD facilities that are participating. Wow. And now there's uh, five or so uh, VA facilities. And under Creative Forces, uh, the therapists uh, meet and discuss issues and do education. 
Um, so there is a, a, a distributed network out there. It's very exciting. Yeah, no, congratulations. That's that's really impressive stuff, Charles. I expected no less, of course. <laughs> but, and you actually have more substance than style, man. That, that's impressive, you know. <laughs> I'm usually the flip, so I, kudos to you. Well, just so we can bring your former resident into these discussions, can can, can you can you talk a little bit about um, how you're kind of figuring out if folks are benefiting? Are you just asking them? Are you using you know wearable metrics to see that they do better? Are you doing some specific outcome work? Um, so yeah. So um, first of all, uh, since Ron is here, let me say heart rate variability. I know that's what I was. I was trying to actually. I just won a hundred dollars because if I can get the guests to say it without saying it first, I, I win. So yes, to pay. <laughs> so um, uh, so to answer your questions a little bit more seriously, um, the NEA has put two point five million dollars out for research there uh, that we created an RFA. Uh, uh, for preliminary or uh, actually feasibility and pilot studies, we they've just accepted the applications where they're going to fund four pilot studies at three hundred and fifty thousand dollars each uh, over two years. But that there's no indirects, which would matter to us, but probably yeah. not everyone in the audience. Right. And then from that, um, uh, they will uh, offer two opportunities for $650,000 uh, for two studies to do um, perhaps uh, funneling the pilot studies into actual um, larger studies or randomized controlled studies. Mm -hmm. I'm involved in a couple of those applications and one in particular, one of the out outcome variables is heart rate variability. What? Yeah. Nice. Wow. Uh, nice closing that loop. All right. Uh, but we're uh, in our own clinical setting in Gainesville. Uh, we use um, uh, outcome measures, including the PANIS X, uh, a positive and negative uh, affect scale. Mm -hmm. um, we're you mean using one of those subjective surveys, right? Uh, well, since being is, uh, since pain, for example, is uh, uh, subjective, um, I'm not, I, I hear a sneer in there because, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I hear the subtext of, well, heart rate variability. Uh, yes, there you go. But um, yes, we are using self-report measures, but also some physiologic measures um, uh, using a quality of life scale and then some clinical uh, metrics as well. Wow, great stuff. And if someone who's listening to this wants to get more information, either about the grant, which is a small percentage, but maybe about kind of what they're looking for, what you're doing, is there a website or someplace where they could dig deeper into that? Because I personally want to go look it up, but I, I could probably figure out how to find you. But, but yeah. other, for the other folks, is there something, Charles? Uh, if you look for creative forces, Okay. Uh, if you Google creative forces, you'll find us pretty quick. There's okay. a creative cool. forces uh, resource center. At, that's one site, a national resource center. And then there's just a creative forces site itself. So um, wow. it's not hard to find. Yeah, no, that, that, that's great stuff. Well, I'm going to pass the, the baton over to Rhombus. I tried to get HRV brought into the discussion more and also 
what's the uh, what's the physiologic underpinning of why creativity is yeah. helping these people? Um, yeah. And I'd love I'd love for you two to dialogue in that space. So Chuck or for Charles or Professor, whichever you want me to call you, Chuck. Sir, so so there's many ways to skin a cat i'm gonna give you really? my pit, my pitch okay um and i think you know everyone speaking today and most everybody listening to this podcast gets it but i think you'd agree there are patients and scientists that don't get this creativity brain health thing. And really that's my target audience. Absolutely do quality of life measure scales are critical. But for me to reach the most hardened patient or scientist, I'm trying to create a model where I can reach that person with their language. And what I believe is that heart rate variability is that measure of parasympathetic health, parasympathetic capacity that gets diminished by persistent sympathetic activation. And we can teach the people in a, in a controlled environment. So the people who aren't getting it and the scientists who refuse to believe it, we can do it physiologically. And then I call HRV focused breathing the training wheels. To creativity. So if there's somebody, you know, that is reluctant to engage in creative forces and uh, doesn't believe that creativity, you know, maybe we can get them with a breathing schedule using physiological parameters. And my, my whole gig is that this breathing is healthy and I can prove that creativity is healthy if I can prove your HRV numbers go up and that you learn the skill to modulate and we can do it remotely. We can do that remotely now. And so we can teach creativity training wheels objectively and remotely. And as you, of course, all three of our careers are about getting that person to do this, these skills in safe environments to be able to do them in in the real world and changing and hostile environments uh and and so i that's all i believe i'm doing is creating a template of training wheels to reach the hardest scientist and and maybe the the person who isn't quite ready um and there's this fabulous study i would like to run with and and I, i'm not sure if you're aware with it of it chuck uh 2013 a guy named bjorn vick hoff uh, put choirs, put heart monitors on choir singers and with certain types of music was able to get them all in unison in cardiorespiratory synchronization. So unlike maybe Tipper Gore trying to convince people to say that music, some music is bad. My sister, man, that's an old reference, man. I know it. That's for our that's, older crowd like you. Yeah, nice. Um, so, so um, we're not gonna take it. Sorry, I got it. I, I, so, I got it. so, so the whole point is for me is to change, and I always reference health in the clinic as opposed to right and wrong. I'm not a right and wrong expert, but I am a health expert. And forgiveness, music, creativity, these are all healthy. And if you can change your age, anyway, 
So what I can say is that study with those choir singers in unison, that music was healthy. And I think that little thing right there is actually a massive shift in conversation. And that's the kind of thing I want my idea that I want others and help others run with. Well, I mean, I mean, it sounds like Ch Charles is doing those yes. kind of things. Yes. And it's really bridged the, you know, yes. the, the, the critics, because I think the military can be a very big critic of, of nonlinear structured things. And, you know, and, but also scientists. And, and I actually want to like, like the training wheel concept is, are you finding Charles or, 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 or um, Ron, are the patients resistance resistant to creativity in arts or is it the clinicians or the people? What do you uh, find? So, yeah, gotcha. so there's a couple of things I'd like to throw in, which might not be directly uh, addressing your question. The first is that the idea of uh, creativity as, as a health practice. So um, it occurs to me that we all kind of accept that diet is uh, something that is a health behavior that we can influence and people should eat better, whatever that means. We all agree that exercise or physical activity should be part of someone's daily routine. And I think a next stage of our general advice or general concern might be, what's your creativity routine and have, what's your daily creativity? Nice. Was it writing poems? Yeah. Was it, uh, was it uh, doing something with paint or what's your aesthetic and in, uh, involvement? Are you enjoying nature and how are you doing that as kind of a daily health indices? Maybe it shouldn't be daily. Maybe it's some other interval. But anyway, right. there's kind of a general health. And I think that also fits, Ron, well with your uh, dedication and pointing out the benefits of uh, uh, meditative breathing and heart rate variability as a measure of physiologic health. But then there's another place where the arts come in, which is specific or really creative arts therapy, where um, for, I know that you, David, are dealing with this, and I, and I think that you may be also, Ron, that people who have been traumatized, uh, the conventional talking therapies challenge people to tell their trauma and tell that story over and over. And I'm expecting that your experience is similar to mine, that that's a really difficult thing for people to tolerate. Yeah. It can be a successful therapy, but it's very difficult. When you bring the arts in, um, you allow people to do something. I consider conventional therapies to kind of be reductive in that they ask people to Mm -hmm. uh, detail their experience uh, over and over again in kind of fine granular specifics with the idea that people will then be able to recreate something whole that's better. Right. But if you use creativity, um, then you actually are kind of uh, harnessing people's uh, power to make something, to build the thing back. So it kind of finesses the uh, horror by giving you a measure of control and and um, channeling a different kind of uh, emotional cognitive function. So that's yeah. the one thing. And the second thing is that trauma is often recorded or encoded, not verbally. When people think of their trauma, they think of they think of 
sensory experiences, the sights that they've seen, perhaps the smells, the feels, the grit, if it's our soldiers and our, our veterans. And by dealing with creative mediums, they may be able to more directly uh, be able to tell their stories. Well, so I see that yeah. as a different fold. So creativity as a general health practice and then creativity and art artistry and music involvement as a therapeutic activity specifically for trauma. Yeah. So I thought I'd throw that for you yeah, and for you Loving all. it. Well, uh, and actually the, the, the trauma therapists find it very hard to deliver the care. You know, it, it's, 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 it's harder to live through it and to recall it, but it's really uh, taxing and stressful for the clinicians. And to be, I mean, yeah, go ahead, Ron. I have some strong opinions on that. What? <laughs> yeah. So first of all, when I use the breathing, I ask them, and the verb I use, what sings to them? You know, like you said, is it poetry? Is it having a podcast? Is it, is, <laughs> you know, what sings to you? And then I'll use the breathing as a bridge towards, because they will have had art potentially in their past and they've lost the joy in it due to whatever physical and or emotional trauma. And, and I've had people get back to the joy they had of that creativity and art form. So the verb I use with them, what sings to you? Uh, but as far as that, that therapy, I have a very strong opinion on that. I think we can eventually prove that that therapy is number one, exhausting. You put 24 hour wearable monitors and you have a 9 a.m. appointment tomorrow morning to dig through your past. You're gonna have terrible numbers the night before. You're gonna be robustly sympathetic during that visit and you will be exhausted the next day. And that depletes your coping ability. So I always say you have a black box we can go into that black box if you want to and when you're ready, but you need to learn how to modulate your autonomic nervous system with your breathing or creativity when we choose to go into that black box. That black box you need to accept will trigger any at any time, forever, it will be triggered. And you need the skill to modulate if it's triggered or if we decide to go into that black box. So I don't believe anybody should get that kind of therapy unless they learn how to objectively modulate their autonomic nervous system with their diaphragm. Um, and, uh, you know, going into the past, triggering the fight or flight response of repetitively and exhausting, um, it, it doesn't teach you a skill. It's almost like trying to bore you into <laughs> that. You don't, you don't, you don't learn a skill when you have a new, new threat and you might be too exhausted to deal with that threat. So at least the skill of breathing with heart rate variability biofeedback tools, at least it's an objective. And yes, the study with Dr. Birch, who's new at Virginia Commonwealth University, who's the PI, we will show that that skill in veterans is durable. Uh, that that in a randomized controlled trial study uh, that they can learn this skill and two months later they still have the skill and a placebo group who sat in a nice quiet room looking at pretty pictures um, they feel a little bit better on some of the subjective surveys but they never learn the skill and I think that's a critically well well and and, and you know the next step then is bringing that evidence-based skill skill acquisition into what creative forces is doing and 
have creativity in art. I, I love the idea. Like, like, what's your daily intake of creativity? You know, like, like, like the, it's one that you can't get too much sodium or fats in it. You can paint as much as you like. Maybe you get an overuse injury over time, <laughs> but that's about it. You know, if you play all the banjos that are in the background of the <laughs> picture, you probably wouldn't feel so good. But no, I and mean, it's just fantastic. And unfortunately, we're, 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 we're to, to use Ron's earlier analogy, we're, we're preaching to the choir here. Because I think all of us see it in practice and research, experiential, whatever it is. But most of the world still believes in using pills or using re redundant kind of therapy that didn't work the first 12 times. Let's give them another one because they're, you know, they're resistant to it. So you know, the, maybe the, the kind of finale is how do we go from, you know, what we're doing now into kind of the world that Dr. Levy is, is, is uh, promoting because I think it's fantastic. And, you know, I, it's great. We're doing grants in it. That's I love that too, but how do we actually get greater dissemination? And maybe it's just by banging away like Chuck's doing. Charles, what are your thoughts? How do we take it worldwide or nationwide or wherever? So, so are you, are you either of you or both of you aware of social prescribing that's happening in the United Kingdom? No, share with us. Well, I'm not the expert on it. I know, but on this call you are. <laughs> <laughs> the bar is low, my friend, the bar is low. Well, my yeah. understanding is that the national health system there allows primary care providers to uh, basically prescribe uh, certain activities, including arts activities, including wow. um, uh, hooking people up with uh, group learning, gardening, cookery, uh, sports, uh, they pay for a, a coordinator. Uh, I think the coordinator is called the link worker and that uh, it's targeted for people in isolation and who are lonely uh, but it, I, or might be depressed. But anyway, yeah. uh, so they're embracing this as part of their health care. Um, they've seen, uh, I think that the evidence is still emerging, but there's some early indications that there's, uh, again, Im improved quality of life, uh, fewer, uh, you fewer, uh, you a little less healthcare utilization, and that it's, uh, uh, popular with the providers and with, uh, patients. Yes. So w uh, just uh, one more word on this. Um, so, in our local in our local Gainesville's environment, uh, one of my colleagues, Jill Sankey, the head of the uh, Center for Arts and Medicine, has got a grant from uh, the state of Florida to do a little of that work here with the VA. So our VA creative arts therapist, I believe, will be able to do some social prescribing. So anyway, well, your question was, how do we yeah. get this out? One way we get it out is we look around to see who else is doing it and what they're doing and what the successes have been. And then we start thinking of it for ourselves. And as people who are familiar with the VA, the VA in some ways is such a rich and creative environment and can do things. Um, and then the other, I think, is things that you've thought about a lot and talked about in your podcast, which is self-care and um, kind of thinking about what arts and other aesthetic involvements have been uh, good for you and 
how that could improve the lives of our fellow healthcare providers, and then um, uh, trying to disseminate that outwards. Now, that doesn't fully answer the question. No, no, no. It's 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 further along than 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 certainly either of us had taken it. And and you know, just to finish off, it, it says in, in a little article I was cheating on social prescribing that they're called link workers. That's the, yes, right. So we need to create more link workers. I mean, you know, health coaches. Are, are a generic concept there, and, and that's part of their, their portfolio. But within that, the idea of link workers. So we're, I'm, I'm all over this. This is stimulating. We have to have you back. I love this. Is I'm learning, man. You're a resource. I don't care what other people say about you. I think you're okay, dude. I'm loving it. When we should, we should wrap up, but yeah. we should continue on with a meeting. But uh, could one of you allay my fears? Um, this social prescribing. Sounds so logical, so safe, <laughs> yeah. so cost-effective. This somebody, is actually a dream. Somebody, somebody, yeah, somebody, we're in the van going to the virtual training. Somebody, yeah, is, somebody, please reassure me that this isn't a slippery slope to communism. Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I have a well, comment on that. So, um, oh, Jesus. Uh, so, I, I, again, I'm proud to have worked with the VA, and I've thought that the VA has been a wonderful place to deliver rehab care. Uh, and my line on the VA is that the VA is a system to reward our defenders of capitalism with a socialistic medical system. <laughs> and um, the, the uh, veterans that are served by the VA, by and large, like the VA system. They don't want to yeah, see they it, love dis it disappear. Yeah. So I... I, I know that you were kind of making a humorous comment to say it sounds like uh, it, it sounds like communism it sounds too good to be something that we can accept in our dog eat dog kind of money driven healthcare system. But um, I think that there's uh, opportunity to see if this uh, what the cost effectiveness of these types of approaches are. And again, I think the VA is such a nice model for what healthcare could be. It's not, there's, it's a different model than our uh, broader uh, non-VA private insurance uh, yep. model. And there's things that can happen there that are beautiful, that are really hard to accomplish outside of the VA yeah. system. As, hey, Willy, as, Willy Wonka, as Willy Wonka once said, <laughs> do you know what happened to the man or the person who suddenly got everything they always wanted? They lived happily ever <laughs> And that's what the VA and Charles is talking about. So amen to that. I mean, that was inspiring. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. That was really good. We'll have to stay connected, whether it's through this or other other areas. So let, let, let's let, let's uh, let's let's uh, stay linked up. I'd love to stay linked up. Yeah. Um, we got a link coach anyway. Thank you to Charles Levy for joining Dr. G and Dr. C today on the Abstract Doctors Podcast. For more information on Charles, please visit arts.gov backslash initiatives backslash creative dash forces. The Abstract Doctors is produced by The Abstract Athlete. For more information on podcasts, events, and subscription boxes, please visit theabstractathlete.com. And as always, follow us on all of our social media platforms under The Abstract Doctors and The Abstract Athlete. The office is now closed, but join us for our next appointment soon.